That ain't an east one, that's a McLaren That's what I told myself, that's how I got it I recognize the thoughts in my mind were directly connected to what's in my pockets It's in your head, money will come Soon as you feel like you already have it Napoleon Hill, Deepak and Paolo That's what I read and I made this shit happen What's going on everyone, Casey Adams here Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast Today on episode 59, we have Preston Smiles with us today It's such a pleasure to have you on, man it's such a pleasure to have you on, man. Me and Preston, I know that we recently connected and um, I definitely wanted to set this up. But first off, Preston, I know that I've seen a lot of your content. I've watched a lot of your videos and it's just amazing to see what you've created. But for maybe the couple people that may not know who you are, what you do, what are you up to nowadays? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I get this question quite a bit and I, I literally answer it like different every time just to play with it. So today I'd say I am a a a translator. Okay. I am a salesman. You know, I, I sell people back their dreams and and I remind people of who they really are. And I translate and synthesize um, ancient wisdom, universal truths, and I make it gangster and fun and exciting. And that that manifest itself through writing books. I have two books out. Um, one is called Love Louder, 33 Ways to Amplify Your Life. Second book is called Now or Never, and I wrote that with my wife. And then uh, I'm the founder of something called Man Cave, which is a, like a, a conscious man brotherhood, a virtual conscious man brotherhood. Um, and I do a lot of other stuff, man. You know, my wife and I um, hit the millionaire mark last year. And it's, it's interesting because we didn't even necessarily try. Like, we didn't keep our eye on our on our accounts per se. But it, it happened because we were so dedicated and so committed to really, really helping and serving, yeah. you know, people. And especially young people who are figuring out, you know, what the new way is going to be. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Man. I, I love that intro. It's definitely a pleasure to have you on. So pretty much when it comes to kind of what I've gained from you, all the stuff that I've watched, your videos, your content, and everything that you previously said, obviously whenever I have people on, I connect with you, we talk about what you're up to nowadays, but kind of before everything happened, before you were writing the books, inspiring millions and millions of people, where were you, let's say, when you were 17, like just starting your life, I would say? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Um, I'll take you to 17, but I'm gonna take you a little bit further back so you yeah, can absolutely. get a little, little backstory. Um, I was, uh, very early age, I was put in special education. Um, I didn't learn like all the rest of the kids. I didn't do well on standardized tests because I didn't have a standardized brain. And so, uh, you know, they, they labeled me all these things and then threw me in a class with, um, four mentally ill children. And this was like seven, eight, nine years old. Wow. And, you know, my consciousness was still forming. So I made up a story about myself that I was dumb, that I was stupid, that I wasn't as smart as everyone else and began to seek acceptance outside of myself. So, you know, at school, there was this bully named Dwayne and Dwayne was like really just bullying everybody. And right around that same time, I decided to start bullying Dwayne so that I could get the acceptance and love from everybody else. And, uh, I, I would play sports and I would dominate because that's how people would praise me. Right? Cause I, we're all really just looking to be loved, to be yeah. seen and heard, you know, like uh, throw away all the fancy cars and all the money and all that stuff. At, at the end of the day, humans want to feel seen, heard and loved. We want to experience the fullness of what it means to be a human. And you know, that we're collaborative 
beings that like each other. And so, um, by the time I was 11 years old, I started, um, smoking weed. I joined the gang and, um, you know, I just went down a different path. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, especially in, in this day and age, in a wet, in the Western culture, the way that school is set up, it, it wasn't set up for, for us. It wasn't set up for millennials. It wasn't set up for, for the way that we learn and our brains. And so, um, I didn't do really well. And then, uh, a friend of mine, one particular night, um, and this friend of mine, we used to do these things called runouts where we'd go into a liquor store, pretend like we were like 18, 19, 20 or whatever. And we were 15 at the time. I was 15 and a half. He was 16. And the rest of the guys were 16. And we would pretend like we were an adult and we would grab all this alcohol. And as soon as we got to the counter, we would then run out. Yeah. As fast as possible. Right. This is just stupid. Just dumb kid stuff. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, my dad told me when I was 11, when he caught me smoking weed, you know, he did something really genius. A, he didn't punish me. He just asked me to think about all the people who do that and, and do I want their life. And then B, he sat me down and he said, listen, you're a leader. And if ever, if ever you feel something isn't right and everybody is going left, but your heart is saying, I need to go right, you're going to go right because you're so powerful. And he spoke into my 11-year-old brain and, and, and heart. And now fast forward to 15 years old. My buddy Scott calls me. And Scott and I used to always fight over shotgun, right? So, so front seat, right? We had all these stupid rules about. You call it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Scott calls me and, and he's like, yo, we're going out. We're going to do a run out. We're going to hang out. And he, this is the first time I really understood intuition because something in me said, don't go. And so uh, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to chill tonight. He's like, what? You're going to be a beep? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm going to be a beep tonight. You need to, bro. All right, yeah. So he called me a bitch. He was like, you going to be a bitch? And I'm like, yeah, um, I am. Like, I'm not fucking going, right? And so yeah. uh, we hung up the phone. And within an hour, every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before that and the night before that and the night before that was shot. And Scott, my best friend, was shot in the head and died immediately. Wow. And this like changed the game. This scared the shit out of me in every single way. You know, when, when we're young, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, you think you're invincible, you, you know? And, and this was like a moment where, where life got real. Yeah. And, and uh, my dad, you know, I, I didn't know how to process it because, you know, we're taught that big boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. right? We're taught not to be pussies, to man up, yeah. to, to, and A, I think pussies are amazing. I think women are amazing. <laughs> you know, when we repress our feelings, they come out in other ways, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, so, so because I didn't know how to cry and I didn't know how to process it, I just ran. And my dad said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't care. Get me out of here. So, uh, two weeks later I was on a plane to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I got off the, off the plane and there was a sign with my name on it. And this woman took me in, her name was Shirley Russell. And Shirley lived just within the, the city lines of this really wealthy, like, um, county called North Allegheny County. Okay. And, and so I checked, I checked into North Allegheny County high school, North Allegheny high. And the first day I remember pulling up and there was like BMWs and Mercedes 
and like every everything you could like eat off the ground and I'm walking through the hallway and like um you know in, in class in school they have those there's a door on the door but there's like a window that you can yeah. see through and so as I'm walking by each classroom everybody's like what and they're like running to the window and they're like pointing at me and like talking and like opening the door and looking down the hall and so I get in the in the office and I'm getting my instructions for what class I'm going to be in and I, I asked the lady I said ma'am yeah I said um is there anybody else in this school that you know like looks like me and she was like oh you mean black no uh you're the only black guy in the whole school and the so, only, one. only one wow so, so so I immediately became like the most popular kid in the school <laughs> Everybody wanted to hang with me. Uh, I joined a new gang called Wexford Mafia. And this particular night, I was with these, this kid, Brad, in his BMW, and we were driving to a party. And they were, and don't do this, by the way, anybody listening, just don't do this. But they were smoking weed and drinking 40s, and so was I, a 40 ounce of beer. And I'm, and I'm in the back seat, I'm drinking 40, and, and, and um, we were listening to Outcast, Tupac, and Biggie. Okay. Classic. Yeah, exactly. But particularly the, uh, the song Wheels of Steel by Outkast was going. It was like, these are all the wheels of steel. And I'm in the back. And I got this phone. I'm looking around. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I'm on the other side of the country with a bunch of rich white kids. And we're all doing, I'm doing literally the same shit I was doing at my other school. And I got in that moment environmental psychology. I got in that moment that um, you cannot rise to low expectations. And, and then what I understood was, was that we're all going through the same stuff. We all listen to the same music. We all watch the same TV. Um, and, and that underneath all of our stories that we have about each other, whether it be gay, straight, white, black, Christian, Muslim, underneath all of that is our truth, which is love. And so, you know, when I hashtag I am, we are love's voice, it's because I came to an understanding that, that, you know, my, my friends were doing the same thing and going to jail and these kids were doing the same thing and going to Yale. And the, the difference was not color, right? The difference was expectation and environment. And so for me, that was the start of my sort of awakening. And, uh, you know, from that point, it was on and popping. Wow, dude. I, I really appreciate you being so open. Really, it means a lot. I, th I think definitely everyone listening just that story, man, super impactful. And I definitely appreciate you sharing that with my audience today, man. But wow, that's so much to take in, man. Because I, for me currently, man, I love when people kind of go to kind of bring me back to where they are because I'm still young. I'm 17, still in high school. So when you kind of break down that part of your life, it's like I'm in that same storytelling aspect, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. so many things are going through my mind when you were just telling that story. So to kind of backtrack. So you're born in California, correct? West yes. grew up there. And then when you went to the East Coast after that tragic moment in your life, was that something where that was your first time going across the country or were you traveling before? I traveled a little bit before. That was my first time ever living somewhere else. And it straight up was like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but in reverse. Yeah, yeah. Because right? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came from Philadelphia, which is yeah. in Pennsylvania, to yep. California. I went from California to Pennsylvania. Okay, wow, man. So, dude, to bring you back a little bit to what you were just talking about, the tragic moment, you said you were 15, right? Yeah. When you're a good friend, everything happened that night, you, your intuition told you not to go. And that, that's the moment that I think stuck out to me and I think a lot of listeners as well. So your intuition, something when you were 15 years old, right? It's like you go, you're doing your daily routine or you're just 
going with the flow. You obviously did that previously. It was a normal thing to do. It wasn't like a random thing that your boy called you up. You were previously doing these things that now that you look back on it, you think are stupid or whatever it may be. So when you look back on that day, that moment, and that intuition, was there something that just happened differently that day? Or was it just something inside of you that kind of expressed yourself differently that was like, hey, you don't go, something bad's going to happen? How can you kind of explain yeah. that to us? Yeah, so, so here's the thing. Intuition is a tricky thing because it doesn't always come in the same way. Sometimes it's just a body hit. Sometimes you just physically you feel different and you're like, ooh, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Sometimes it comes in an insight where you get like a sliver of information where it's like, don't go. Yeah. Right. And, and, and like for me and at that time it was, it was both like my body was like, Ooh, this is not the time. And then, and then I got an insight that, that, you know, it, it wasn't right. And, and back to what, you know, that moment when my dad told me, if something doesn't feel right in your heart, you're so brave. You're so powerful. You're so strong that you'll listen to that. So my dad planted that seed at 11 years old. Wow. And here I am at 15. Actually, it saved my life. That's right. And so I still do that to this day. I have other stories, crazy stories about stuff that would blow you away um, where I listen to it. And, and how I explain it, Casey, and this to anybody out there, I explain it like this. There's the higher self. Right. There's there's the higher self. Call it God voice. Call it whatever you want. Yeah. That voice usually instantly speaks. Right. So that's first thought. Second thought is like. So let's take an example of a guy wanting to ask out a girl. Right. So he's walking through the mall. You see the girl. First thought says, wow, she's beautiful. I'd love to know her name. Right. Second thought. Second thought goes, yeah, she is gorgeous. But like. Does she really want to talk to you? Yeah. Third thought is like, bro, she's way out of your league. Just keep walking. First thought is usually, usually the correct thought. That's the one that's the one that's connected to your higher self. And so what I try to do as much as possible in business and relationship in, with my spirituality, with my health is listen to first thought because that's usually the one that's the truest. The rest of it is the BS that has us believing that we're not good enough, tall enough, strong enough, pretty enough, whatever the case may be. Okay. Wow, man. That's some deep stuff, man. I'm, I'm loving this. So, yeah, I'm just so fascinated with just that that intro story that you told everyone because I think, especially for me, I come from a small town. A lot of people are smoking weed every day, doing a lot of drugs, getting involved with guns, all this crazy shit that obviously is not the way to move in that direction. And I think just hearing that story – um, when that day happened, that m- event in your life, when it comes to like the lowest point as of that time in your life, how did that affect you? I know that you said you moved back, to, you moved to the East Coast, you completely changed everything, but internally, because when it comes to like you being mentally stable, how did that affect your mental, your best friend, that tragic moment? And then how do you kind of correlate that mental strength to now what you're doing today? Absolutely, man. You know, um, I've said this many times, out of my greatest pain, came my greatest gain, right? And every time we, 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 we feel rejection, we also receive direction because everything that we go through can actually grow you. And, and like, that's really true for me. So, so going through that pain, going through that trauma, going to his funeral and watching, looking at his body and, and like the makeup they put on and like just the weird, 
like it was this surreal thing that was really scary for me. And I didn't necessarily know how to process it then. However, once I realized that there are systems at play, old systems that all of us have been born into, right? So your mother and father, Casey, and their mother and father, and their mother and father, and everybody listening and watching this at this moment, most of them were born into the same type of system. And that system, eh, let's say it kind of worked for them, but it no longer works for us, for this generation. And so once I saw that my friends were doing the same thing as the other group, but going to jail and dying, and this group was going to yell and succeeding, I then saw that it was a system. And it, it, was, it was carefully crafted to keep one group really small and one group you know, growing and thriving. And instead of me blaming the man or the system, I said, you know what? Because there's a guy named Buckminster Fuller. And Buckminster Fuller says that instead of pointing at what you don't want, Create a lane that's so dope, that's so beautiful, that's so powerful that people stop looking over there and they look at your lane. And yeah. so it, I got so much growth from it, so much direction that it opened up new worlds for me. Right. And of course, I would I would rather have my friend here. Yeah. yeah. However, I also understand that all of us have to go at some point. And I don't believe in, quote unquote, heaven and hell. I don't believe in an ending. I believe in new beginnings. Yeah. Wow, man. Dude, the reason I ask that question, especially for someone like you that has that amazing story, is I, I kind of always like to correlate. Um, so something with me where I, I was almost paralyzed two years ago playing football, had a very bad neck injury. I was in a neck brace for like 20 to 25 weeks on and off. And I, I, I think I definitely resonated with you because I've definitely learned throughout my year and a half, two years of just having massive transformation is just like that negative moment in my life. If that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I am today due to the fact that it just mentally broke me down to the point where I had to change. I had to progress. I had to transform, I like to call it. But I think definitely just from that story, I think a lot of the listeners today will definitely think to their own kind of self-destruction moments. I definitely appreciate you sharing that. I really mean that for sure. But yeah. something that I really want to get into, especially when it comes to not just mental, not just health, business, whatever it may be. But I think something that I've learned from a lot of people is they, they look at everything as just – uh, the full circle effect. How do you correlate business with health, with having mental strength? How do you go about your day and kind of connect all these avenues that you're doing with your business? How do you just, I want to simplify the question and just say, how do you keep everything together by just going throughout your day to day life with everything you have going on nowadays? Absolutely, man. I'll say this. When we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. As simple as I can put it, when, when I turn the volume up on the love that I will receive and that I'll give, everything else raises with it, right? So the, there's, a, there's a quote, a rising tide lifts all boats, yep. right? So, so the tide doesn't just lift that boat, it lifts all of them. And everything is touching everything. So in, our, in, our, in my life, I can't compartmentalize health, yes. business, spirituality, relationship, it's all one thing. I bring the same Preston to all of those areas of my life. And so if I'm focusing on love, if I'm asking myself powerful questions, because powerful questions always lead to powerful answers. Yeah. And so I, I'll sit in the question, you know, 
if my higher self was making this decision, how would I be with this? If I was, if I was uh, focusing on love, how would I respond to this email? Yeah. How would I be with my life? One of the best things anybody could do is fill their cup and then give from the overflow. And you fill your cup by doing things that make your heart smile. You fill your cup by playing the guitar, by going into nature, by surfing, by playing video games, whatever it is for you that makes your heart smile. You do more of that. You become a better version of yourself and you take that self to everything. Dude, you're on fire today, man. I love it. I definitely, I feel so much just like passion enthusiasm right now as you're just talking about it. <laughs> Honestly, man, like this is dope. So when it comes to um, your daily routine or just how you've mm-hmm. grown as an individual from that 15-year-old self, from going through those traumatic moments, from just yeah. obviously going through a lot of just low times in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So throughout your journey so far from making a million dollars, making millions and millions of dollars, from being mm-hmm. at close, those kind of from the low to high, what would you say kind of keeps you balanced? I know that you talk about love a lot, balance, mm-hmm. and understanding who you are, self-fulfilling yourself. What would you say is one thing that you just do every day or ask Mm -hmm. yourself every day that kind of keeps you in your lane? Yeah, for sure, man. So here's the thing. Especially in this, like the sort of Instagram meme world, we can get really caught in trying to stay positive all the time. And life just lifes. It gives no fucks. It (laughs) doesn't have labels like positive and negative. Life just lifes. Oh, I like that. What I do is I just ride the wave. I ride the wave and I, I, without being attached to how I think it should be, right? Because a lot of us get in trouble when we shoot ourselves. Yeah. We literally wake up and we're like, oh, I should have got up two hours earlier. Well, you fucked at that point. You just already put into the universe yep. that you're not a good person or whatever the case may be. No, you should have done exactly what you did because, you know, as long as we have breath in our body, we are in, we, we are so blessed, right? So, so if you yeah. want to know my morning and daily routine, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do five things for myself before I do anything as it pertains to business and all of that stuff. Okay. So I wake up in the morning and I have a, I'm blessed with a beautiful little baby boy named Kingston. And so my wife and I usually uh, are woken up by him giggling or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'll spend, you know, the first 20 minutes just looking at him and playing with him and smiling and going through things that I'm truly grateful for. And I say this all the time. It's not the happy people that are grateful. It is the grateful people that are happy. Mm. Happiness is literally a byproduct. Happiness is a byproduct of living with an attitude of gratitude, right? So, so I start my day just thinking about stream of consciousness, what I'm super grateful for in this now moment, right? And I'll just say anything. Like I'm grateful for my boogers. I'm grateful for my balls. I'm yeah, grateful yeah. for love. I'm grateful for <laughs> hair, right? I'll just, I'll just go wherever I need to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally putting myself in state as Tony Robbins would say, right? Because, you know, um, motion creates emotion. And so I'm, I'm literally filling my cup with, with, the gratefulness of life, yeah. right? And then what I'll do is I'll strap my son to my chest or I'll put him in a um, little, what do you call that? They call him a pram in a, other, a stroller. And, and we'll hit the road and go straight to the beach. We live by the beach. So we'll go to the beach, 
I'll pop in an audiobook, something that fills me up, something that forwards my thinking, something that, that gives me juice and magic. I'll pop in an audiobook, walking him on the beach. I'll do maybe a live or two on my, you know, in one of the groups that I'm coaching. If I feel inspired, I go get a green juice because, you know, what we put in is what we get out. Yep. So think about, think about this thus far, right? Let's say I get up about 5.30 a.m. every day because my son gets me up at that time. Yeah. By 8.30 a.m., I have already put in so much goodness that when I literally sit down in front of a computer and start my day, I'm already at a 10. Yeah. I'm already, I've already filled my cup. And then, Casey, and this is one of the most important things for people who are entrepreneurs or business or in anything that you want to further, anything you want to master. And then what I do is I do whatever the scariest thing is for the day because we all have a to-do list, right? I have a success list. And on my success list is only three to four things. And out of those three to four, I always find the thing that I don't want to do the most Mm. and I do it first. Mm. I love it. I do the thing that moves the needle, right? Yeah. So we go small to go big. I go small to go big. And a lot of us will just do a bunch of random, distracting, scrolling, stupid stuff. Yeah. And then look up and be like, oh, well, I have to do that tomorrow. And then yeah. tomorrow comes and you never do it and you never do it and you never do it. Like so, procrastination and yep. there it goes. <laughs> Dude, yep. wow, man. And I always love asking just daily routines because I think a lot of people from – everyone that I've interviewed, they all have their personal kind of mm-hmm. identification with what they do. I know I loved how you said having your son and you wake up and just have that 20, 30 minutes. I'm sure that's just the most amazing feeling right when you wake up to wake up to yeah. something like that. But wh- when it comes to just what I would like to call it, um, the flow state, when it comes to handling mm-hmm. this, handling that, um, with mm-hmm. social media nowadays, I love how you brought that up when it comes to scrolling. And I think a lot of young people, especially where I'm from, it's like, they're not focusing on themselves. They're not focusing on their brand. They're, they're giving everyone else their attention. They're focusing on everyone else. Scrolling. They're comparing themselves. They're, they're saying, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish I could look that good. All this negative energy from the social media aspect of things. And I know that we connected on social media. That's how a lot of us nowadays are connecting. Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts on the, cur- the current social media, I would like to call it trend, wave, whatever, personal brand. I know that you've built an amazing personal brand. But what's your thoughts on the positive effects of social media and then also the counter effects of social media? How do, what's your state on that? Yes. So, so it depends. It's, it all comes down to intent or intention, yep. right? So if, if your intention is to go on social media to compare yourself and to see how you don't have millions like so-and-so or you don't have as many followers or you're not as pretty or your ass isn't as big as the Kardashians or you're not getting as much comment or attention as so-and-so, if that's the intention for going on there, then it's stupid as hell because you're literally sending a signal to the universe that, that will match that, right? The law of attraction, the law of magnetism says you don't you don't attract what you what you what you want you attract what you are and so intention is the first place right i go on social media for two reasons one to be a graffiti artist right because i used to i used to spray paint on walls and now i spray paint on the internet Mm. and i and i and i I tell a story i remind people of their truth right because that's the way i can get to the people as fast as possible yeah so i go on there for that that's one intention and I go in to see what my friends are up to, but I limit that time. And I don't, I don't, anybody who I have caught myself comparing, 
I do two things. One, I bless them and celebrate them. And then I unfollow them. Mm. Wow. Because, because until, until I've created the mental fortitude, meaning the mental power to be bigger than that comparison story, I'm not going to put it in my space. That's like a drug addict yeah. saying, I'm not going to do drugs anymore. And then hanging around a bunch of people who are doing drugs in their face. Facts. Right? Dude, uh, I never heard of something like that. Just the the unfollow method, but in a grateful way. That, that, that's super yes. cool. That, that's super, super cool. Yeah, man. Wow. So, so with social media, uh, this topic that we're on, number one, obviously, like I've grown up with social media since I was 12, yeah. 13. It's kind of been like the wave that I caught being in this world, earth at this time. But for you, when did you kind of attach yourself, start building a brand, start putting out content? Mm -hmm. When did you start doing that, number one? And then how has that impacted you so far in your life? It's huge, man. Huge. Without social media, I would not be in the place that I am right now. Okay. You know, um, I started 11 years ago um, and I was the same reason I'm doing it now. I was doing it just to give, just to give. Right. Yeah. And every time I gave, I just received, I would re get messages from people all over the world, yeah. you know, about my YouTube channel and the videos I was putting up on Facebook. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful for social media. I'm grateful for it, for this tool and for the opportunity to reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every day if I want, you know, that's a big deal. And it's connected me with really awesome, beautiful people. It's, it's kept me in the know when, you know, the news tries to tell me one thing and social media will, will blast it out and be like, no, nah, that's not actually true. And I, I love that. And I think it is pretty dangerous, especially for young kids. Mm -hmm. Um, because then their worth can be caught up in likes and comments. And that's, that's where, you know, I suggest you schedule, you know, any young people listening to this, put a schedule on yourself, give yourself, you know, one hour a day to scroll. And the rest of the time you're on your mission, you're on your purpose, you're, you're doing whatever's on your heart. You're playing the guitar, you're, you're playing basketball, you're reading that book, you're swimming in the ocean, whatever your thing is, Spend more time on that and less time scrolling, and you'll be in a good place. Whew, I love it, man. And I think definitely, um, especially where I'm from, it's like people don't limit themselves, and they just get so deep where it's like mm -hmm. hours later, literally, they'll just be like, they'll be more depressed. They'll judging themselves more, and then they just go to sleep on that, right? And there's no mm -hmm. positive affirmations. Nothing's going on. And I think for me, I think um, the kind of the when I pivoted when it comes to looking at the people scrolling to then this is what I tell a lot of young people, especially to then focusing on building my brand, helping other people, putting out good mm -hmm. content for other people. I think a lot of people, they don't see that switch of like, um, that's why I really talk about the power of personal branding, the power of the DM, the power of networking, yes. because that's how we've connected. That's how I've connected with Gerard and all these amazing yeah. people from building a brand, but then actually having the content to back it up. Right. Yeah. So with you building an amazing brand, putting out videos, when it comes to that, I want to get kind of like a tactical session real quick. Mm -hmm. When it comes to just building a brand, I'd say, for your name, for what you um, really believe in, what's something that you've done that you've kind of attributed to kind of building your story, building that audience, building yes. something of value that you know you can provide value to? What's been like two or three tactics that you'd say you've implemented to build that audience over time? Yep. Number one, see family, not dollar signs. A lot of people, when, when, they, when they're doing the social media, they're, they're thinking every number is more money for them. And you can feel that through their post. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who, who, who follow me know that they're not followers, that they're family, that they're tribe. 
I have people, I had somebody yesterday walk up to me crying and it happens every other day. Wow. I've had it happen in Morocco. I've had it happen in Greece. I've had it happen in Africa. It happens everywhere wow. I go. And so the, the reason why that is, is because I'm seeing them as family. And so if I, if I'm, if I was talking to you, Casey, as if your life depended on it, because it does, right? How would I talk knowing that the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been? Yeah. Right. Then it's not, it's no longer about how can I slide in my little thing to make you think I'm better than you. It's yo, I've been down this road and I see where you're at, where you're at. And I want to give you some wisdom. Mm-hmm. I want to give you some game. So here I am loving on you. And here's the thing, bro. It, whether you met somebody or you've only seen them on social, social media, when somebody cares, you can feel it. You know, I watch, yeah, I watch some people's videos and I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you just, like, that's not actually true for you. That's yeah. why Gary Vee and Grant Cardone do really well because you can feel that that's their truth. This is not a gimmick. Yeah. That's actually who they are. That's how they roll and they give a fuck. And so do I. So, number one is yeah. give many fucks. I know this is a whole thing about not giving them. Yeah. Give yeah. many of them, right? Because okay. people are dying and suffering. You know how many young boys are addicted to porn right now? That's I created Man Cave, a, a really based on that. Wow. Okay. About creating community where we can be bigger than our dicks, where we can be bigger than 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 drugs and alcohol, be bigger than social media, be bigger than all of the stuff that that we've been taught makes you a man. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. See, family, not dollar signs. Number two is consistency is king and queen. Most yep. people jump on social media. They do a little something. Oh, I didn't get enough love, and then they retreat back. Yep. Right. I, I've been doing this for 11 years. For the first six years, I did not have a single product for anybody to buy. Not one thing. Yeah. Just straight giving, 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 giving three times a day, nonstop, six days a week. Like yeah. that's a lot of giving. So when I put out my first uh, program with my wife, within hours, it was $50,000 in our account. Why? Yeah. Because people were, were hungry to give. They wanted to give back what I had been giving to them. Yeah. Dude, that's the, I love how you said it. like six years, you were just giving, giving, giving. Sort of like when I met Gary Vee, it's like jab, 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 right hook, right? Yes, jabbing, yes. But doing it purposely, you're doing it with purpose. You're actually giving a fuck, like you said, to your audience. And, and I think a lot of people, this is black and white. You can tell, you cannot, or you know it's legit. You know it's authentic. Yep. I think that's something like you bring it back intuition. It's like social media, I, I always tell people that I talk to or when I speak or whatever it may be, it's like the way that you are perceiving yourself the way that you feel if you can portray that on social media and you're doing it authentically like people can tell like black and white you know yep. and i think and i'm sure you would agree it's just like if you're building a brand if you're putting out content just be you you know i think a lot of people try to copy mimic gimmick try to do this because it's the new tactic or whatever it is right yep. Yep. especially for me it's like i do i do on my podcast do my um video content whatever it may be and it's like i've just done me and like from that, it's, it's grown my audience. I've connected with amazing people. And I just, I try to keep it simple because I, I love the, well, um, well, I read it, I don't know what book it was, like the kiss strategy. It was like, keep it super simple. Yeah. And I think that yes. kind of applies to social media for sure. So I think those tactics are definitely super valuable, man. But to move on, I have one or two more questions. I don't want to take too much of your time. But when it comes to your book, I know that your book, you've written two of them. Mm-hmm. What was your motivation, I, I'd like to call it, to write this book? Because I, um, 
I, I always like to ask people that when it's something, because whenever I see a, a book or a podcast or a, a social media video, it's just a creation of something, right? And it's mm-hmm. in the form. So for you, what was your motivation to write your book? And what was the biggest thing that you want people to get from that so people can check it out? 100%. So here's the thing. I told you I was in special education classes. One of the reasons for that is that uh, I'm experiencing dyslexia. So, so if you were to read a page and I were to read a page, it would take you maybe two minutes. It would take me like 10 or 20, okay. right? Because my brain does something where it jumbles the words. And so I have to literally just like super focus and repeat things over and over again. So the first reason why I wrote the book was to beat that part of myself. I wrote the book because I was afraid to write the book. Ooh, I have so boy. much. Yes. Yeah. I have so much wisdom. I have so much love to give. I'm I like, I've been through so much in this lifetime that how dare I play small and allow, you know, some what it, disability stop me from giving my gifts. So that was number one. Number two is I knew that there are many people who, who didn't have the type of money that it costs to work with me. Yeah. And so I asked myself, how can I put something into the world that doesn't need, you know, thousands of dollars? Yeah. Right. And, and the book, I got a um, six figure book deal from Simon and Schuster. I'd never written a book ever before. And they were so, um, they believed in the message and in what I was up to so much that they were like, yo, go do your thing. Like, and, and so uh, I wrote love louder for that reason. And because that's my truth. When yeah. we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. Love is the one message. It's your message. It's my message. It's Gary Vee's message. It's everybody's message. I love it, man. So with that, uh, I know that I'll, I'll be leaving all your social media links to everything. Where is there a website people can go to? What's where can people get that if they wanted to? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, you can get it anywhere on Amazon, but if you go to PrestonSmiles.com, yep. um, I have links to where you can get it from all over the world. Like if you're in Australia or somewhere else like that. Um, and then, you know, like at Preston Smiles on everything. You yep. can find it on my Instagram, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, and that'll all be in the description for everyone that doesn't want to go back, replay it, try to get it back. So last question before I let you go, man. Um, obviously, I'm 17. I'm young right now. This is the Rise of the Young podcast. So I know that we talked before we got on just um, and, and when you were on about your story. So the question is, if you were to go back to when you were 17, 18, my age, what would not necessarily what would you do different? Because I think everyone's story is the way it's laid out. But yeah. What would you tell someone that's my age or 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20, whatever it may be? What would you tell them from not just a business standpoint, but from just a life standpoint that you've kind of gained throughout your journey? Yeah, I would just remind myself and you and anybody else to have more fun, to make more mistakes, to mess up even more. Because a lot of us are trying to get it right so we can be good little boys and girls for mommy. And you didn't come here to live mommy or daddy's life. You came here to live yours. So do your thug fizzle. Do whatever is on your heart and do it to the fullest. I love it. I love it, man. So that being said, thank you so much, Preston. I really appreciate you coming on. This is this is by far the most fire podcast I've done, man. Like, you definitely <laughs> blew me away. I'm so open. I'm so glad you were open to sharing your stories and just providing the people value. But that being said, everyone listening, please make sure you go give Preston a follow. Check out his book. Order it on Amazon. And just obviously go to him and start following him because I, I got him on this show for a reason. I wanted to sh- tell you guys and show you guys what an amazing person he is. So that being said, thank you so much for tuning in to the Rise Young Podcast. I really appreciate everyone listening, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Y'all are hopeless. This is a decade of devotion. It's hard to stop my movement when I'm already in motion. This ain't love.
luck, this is by design I had to work in the dark for my light to shine A lot of people are dope, they just quit too soon A lot of rappers go broke cause they got rich too soon Damn, my confidence with my success is just a